If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 10. Proverbs, chapter 10, is where we're going to be tonight. We're going to be in a, few, in, a few, in a few places. Oh, my notes. So, cool. All right, so tonight is an interesting kind of night, right? So, like, like I said earlier, this is, I, guess, I know it's not the school year anymore, but it's like, in my mind, it's kind of like, okay, like, you have, like, a group from, like, from when everyone moves up, and then you have that group for a whole year until the next group moves up. You know what I'm trying to say? So, like, you know, tonight is, is like, our last encounter with this group. You know, this is our last encounter with this group. It's, it's a tonight. We, we, it's a different kind of night, right? We stand really on the brink of a new school year. All right, we stand on the brink of a new school year, or, or maybe some of you are already in that school year. Uh, many of you are, if, if you're, in, you know, moving into ninth grade, you're, you're changing schools, right? You're moving up into high school. Uh, how many of you are moving into high school this year? Okay. I know, I know for a fact it's more than like four of you, but that's okay. I'm not going to make a big deal out of it, right? Those of you who are moving up into high school, uh, that, you know, that's a, that's a big change, right? And there's some of you who are seniors. If you're seniors and you're still with us uh, to this point, first of all, kudos to you. Uh, but if you're a senior and you're moving into college, uh, you're moving, in, or not just college, but that, that post-high school season of life, uh, you're moving into a chapter of life that for me, uh, I would say is probably one of the most difficult, kind of that, that after high school before marriage chapter of life is one of the most difficult, um, at least for me it was. Um, and it's not because of like outward challenge, it's more of just like, man, the inward struggles um, uh, for me were, were really, really difficult, right? Then, then, you know, next week, right, we're going to have a group that is moving up into sixth grade. Uh, and, and they're, they're kind of, they're moving into a new season of life. Their parents are moving into new seasons of life. You know, it's, it's, it's all these crazy things. And, and perhaps maybe you're in the room and, and you're walking through life changes that are more like unique to you, right? Maybe this is your first school year as a Christian, Maybe this is like, you. maybe you're moving to a different school. Maybe this is like, hey, like the first time you're going to school since like, like since there's been struggles in your home, right? Like whatever it may be. A lot of us, we, we experience these different challenges, these different changes in our lives. Maybe you're, you're changing schools, whatever. And as we transition into a new semester, uh, this is, you know, the last time that I will get to speak to this group, right? Now, I'm not leaving, all right, but what I mean by that is this, and I know most of you will still be here, but it's this idea of that, like, next week, there's going to be a new group of students that are joining, and there's going to be a group of students that are leaving. So really, like, and, and for me, really every sermon, like, is a unique moment, because I don't get that moment with that group, right? This is the last time I'll get to, to, to share with just this group. And I kind of ask myself, man, like, what do you share? You know, like, like what, what do you want, what do I talk to you about as you're kind of standing on the brink of this new chapter in your life, as you're about to move into a new grade, or as you're kind of transitioning out of an, other cha- an older chapter, like, what is it that I would want to share with you? And tonight is going to be actually, it's not going to be like what we typically do. I wanted to share something tonight that's very, very, very practical. Very, very practical. We're not going to be super, like, theologically heavy, okay? I'm not going to be walking necessarily through a passage of Scripture, although we are going to be in Scripture tonight. I want to just give you something very, very practical, because what, you know, what, 
something that, honestly, that I'm going to share with you tonight is something that was really revolutionary for me as I learned to kind of navigate through life. And I think it's also something that's going to be very, very helpful and very important in your own life. So Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5, says this. It says, He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. I'll say that one more time. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Now, as you read the book of Proverbs, there's one major theme throughout the book of Proverbs, and that is, if you were to sum it down to one word, it would be wisdom, right? There's one theme that's constant throughout the book of Proverbs, it's this idea of wisdom. What does it look like to live life wisely? What does it look like to live with wisdom? In Proverbs 10.5, we see a simple statement. It's not super long. It's not, it, it all fits on one slide, right? On, on, I don't know if for you, but in my Bible, it's, it's just a couple lines. It's a simple statement, but it's going to be our major focus for tonight. And now there's a little bit of context I think is important to help you in kind of understanding what exactly Solomon is talking about in this verse. So the idea of gathering in the summer, right? You see that, right? Who he who gathers in the summer. It's, it's understanding this idea of, you know, in, in ancient times, these, there, it was predominantly uh, agriculturally based, like culture was, right? So most families took on farming as a trade. It was something that you see this a lot in Jesus's teachings, right? When he talked about he who puts his, uh, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is worthy of being, right? It's like uh, there's a lot of agricultural parables that Jesus gives. Why? Because it's something that connects to most people. And this idea of gathering in the summer, this is when farmers would, they would harvest their crops that they had grown earlier in the year. And they had been planting these crops, and this is the time where they would gather them. So the idea of gathering the summer is talking about harvesting and gathering crops that were planted earlier in the year. And this was something that farming was crucial to people in ancient times. Now, here's the thing that I think is important for you to understand. And it's going to be important for us to understand tonight, not only when it comes to farming, because I don't know how many of you are super into farming. You're like, yo, this is right up my alley. Uh, but I, I want to show this, is that there is a key to farming. There's a key to farming, and it's this. The key to farming is knowing that there is a season to plant, there is a season to water and nurture what you have planted, and there is a season to reap and gather what you have planted and what has grown. You with me? And ultimately, it's understanding this, is that the understanding seasons as a farmer is vitally important. And what Solomon is talking about here is he's, under, he's talking about this, is that, prude, that he who gathers in the summer, he who, who gathers when it's time to gather, he who takes advantage of the opportunities that are in front of him when it's time to take advantage of them is a wise person. But the person who wastes opportunities is foolish. The person who wastes opportunities is foolish. See, a good farmer isn't the one who has special seeds. A good farmer is the one that knows how to navigate seasons properly. And some of you are like, where are we going with this? Here's the thing that I want you to understand. Is that living wisely is not because you have some special talent that other people do not have. Or it's not that you have to watch other people who have special talents that you don't have. It's about how do you navigate different seasons in life. Going back to what I said previously, right? Everyone in this room is in the midst of change, whether it is a small change or it is a big change. Whatever your situation is, it's important for you to understand something, that life comes and goes in the form of seasons. 
Life comes and goes in the form of seasons. We live in the state of Florida, right? So what are your typical seasons? What, summer, fall, winter, spring? Summer? Yeah, yeah, all right. So in Florida, it's essentially summer, and you have like a few days of winter, and then you have like maybe a month of spring, but then it's mostly summer. But in Florida, there's also different kinds. There's also different seasons. There's a season we're about to enter, which is football season, right? Football season. Also, we're in hurricane season, right? We're hurricane season. But here's the thing, right? Just like there's these different seasons, they start and they stop, right? We have to understand that life is very, very similar. Some seasons are short. When it comes to your life, some seasons are short. Some seasons are very long. However, every season you walk through in life will present you with the same question. What will you do with this season? Again, tonight, it's, it's super practical. We're not going to get crazy deep theologically, all right? But what I want you to understand is this, is you are on the brink of a new season. Whatever that season may be, if it's a simple change, like moving from 7th grade to 8th grade, or whatever it may be, maybe for some of you it's bigger, moving from middle school to high school, or moving from high school into college or young adult life. But what will you do with the season that is handed to you? This time that you're either currently in or you're about to walk into, what will you do with it? I think one of the greatest mistakes, one of the greatest mistakes that people make in their entire lives is they don't recognize the seasons of life that they're in until they're much, much older. So they don't recognize that, they're, that the seasons of life that they're in until they're much, much older. And then they look back on their life and they can see the seasons of their life as, as they were younger. Right? They can see the seasons. Okay, I, I remember that season of life. I remember this season of life. I, I remember these different things. And a lot of times what happens is they look back with an ounce of regret because they feel like they didn't take advantage of the seasons that they were in. Every adult in this room, no matter how old they are, can tell you that there are moments that I look back at with a little ounce of regret because I didn't take advantage of that season like I would, like I probably should have. Man, if I had, like, every person says this, and I know I'm saying this to you, and you're like, yeah, everyone says this to me, great, but hopefully maybe you know, God will use this in a moment. Man, if I had the focus on the God that I have now when I was in middle school or high school, I can only imagine what I could, what I could have done for the kingdom of God. But I'm so distracted with things that don't matter. If you were here for staycation, I, I shared a quote from, with you from a guy named, a missionary named William Carey, where he says, I'm, my, my biggest fear in life is not failure. My biggest fear is succeeding at things that do not matter. I want you to know, I don't want that for you. I don't want that for you. I don't want you to be like the unwise person in Proverbs who sleeps in the season of harvesting. I don't want you to be the person that misses opportunities for incredible growth. I want you to maximize the season of life that God has placed you in. I want you to maximize this season that you are currently in and the one that you're about to walk into. So we have a simple question tonight. How do I maximize my current season? How do I maximize my current season? It's interesting. It's just a one-point sermon tonight. 
And I'm gonna just gonna make this clear right off the bat. We're probably not we're not gonna do a closing song tonight. Not because I'm about to spend like a whole hour, but it's because I think it's very important that we don't rush this topic. But also, I think it's very important that you have time in your groups to kind of talk about it. There's a few things that I think are important for us to recognize that are universal across every season of life that you're in. I just want to give you four things that are universal across every season of life. The first thing is that this. All seasons are teaching you and preparing you for future ones. All of them. The season that you are in right now is preparing you for the season that you are about to walk into. And I, I don't want you to get this idea that, okay, right now I'm in a season of learning as if there's going to come a day when you're not. Okay? Now, there are seasons where it is predominantly learning, where you're learning more than you feel like you're doing. But I don't want you to under, I don't want you to confuse and get and mix up the idea that okay like I'm not okay like like man like I'm in a season of, of learning right now but one day I'll get it to where I got it figured out. If you think that you're gonna ever reach a point where you're not learning, there's a problem. Second thing is this is that all seasons are temporary. All seasons are temporary. There is not a single season, and, and, and I think this is important for you to understand that right now, maybe you're walking through a season that just feels like, and I don't mean this in a crude way, but it just literally feels like you're walking through hell. You know what I'm saying? Please hear me when I say this. Every season is temporary. Every season is temporary. Don't make foolish decisions over temporary seasons. You with me? Third thing about all seasons have in common is that seasons are not always determined by age. Some seasons are, right? When you turn 13, you're now a teenager. When you turn, you know, 25, now you can rent a car. But I want you to understand something that not all seasons are determined by your age. Don't, and I'm going to get to this in a, in a second, but like don't look at yourself at 16 and then look at someone else's 16 and think that you're both in the same season. You're probably not. You're probably not. And the fourth thing, all seasons are made up of smaller ones. Your life is a grand total of a multitude of moments. Now, that may sound super weird, but I don't, I want you to understand, that is super profound, okay? And not because, like, it, it's not original to me, so don't think that I'm like, like, yo, I'm so smart. No, that's not what I'm saying. Your life is a grand total of moments. See, I love football. Now, if you, how many quarters are there in a game of football? Four, there's four quarters. There's four quarters in a game of football. Now you can kind of take those quarters and you can, or well, I guess you can say that, well, there's two halves. And you can break those halves into quarters. And you can take those quarters and you can break them up into individual drives where each one, this team has the ball and, and you can break up into drives. You can take those drives and you can break them up into plays. Right? Then you can take those plays and you can break them up into what each individual person is doing in those plays. And here's what I want you to understand is that the grand total of how a team does in a game after those four quarters is made up of a multitude of single individuals doing their jobs on individual plays. 
You with me? Is that one person missing their assignment on one play can change the entire outcome of an entire game. Take seriously the fact that the seasons of life that you are in, that there are moments within that season that are crucially important. A life that is well-lived for the purpose of the gospel is a series of well-lived seasons. And a season well-spent is made up of moments that are well-spent. So when I ask this question of how do I recognize my current season, or how do I maximize my current season, I'm going to give you five ways that we maximize our current season. Five ways. The first one is this. Recognize the current season that you're in. Recognize the current season that you're in. Going back to the verse in Proverbs, you cannot harvest if you don't recognize that it's the season for harvesting. Right? If you don't know that it's time to harvest, then you're not going to be able to take advantage of that harvesting season. Likewise, every season of your life has a purpose. Even the ones that you don't like have a purpose. Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You have to believe this. Right? My, my, my goal tonight, I want you to, I, man, I just want to be real with you, right? You have to, do you believe everything in your life, God is working for your good? Genesis 50, 20, Joseph, after he was sold into slavery by his brothers, his brothers end up coming to Egypt because they, they, need, uh, they need food because there's famine in the land of Canaan where they were living. And they come to Joseph and, and, and they realize, oh, Joseph just happens to be, Joseph is second in command over all of Egypt. It's just like this crazy like, thing that God did. And, and they're like scared to death and they beg Joseph to forgive them. And Joseph ultimately forgives his brothers. And one thing that he says to them, he goes, what? What you meant for evil, God used for good. You have to believe that everything in your life, God, that every season that you're walking through has a purpose. Maybe you're in a season right now that is just difficult. Please know that it's, it's not by accident, that it is for a purpose. It is for a purpose. Every season that God brings you into and through, he does so for a specific reason. And next week, we're going to start a series in the book of 1 Samuel. We're going to be in 1 and 2 Samuel for the most of the first part of the school year. And eventually, we're gonna, you're going to get into, and through that, you're going to get to a guy named David. Hopefully, if you've been in church for a decent amount of time, you've heard of King David before. You're going to see, there's, there's a, there, and, and we're also going to see that there's a king named Saul. And eventually, you're going to see that Saul is going to make a series of poor decisions, and, and God is going to reject Saul as king, and God is going to go about instituting a different king. He's going to go about anointing a new king over Israel, one that he has chosen, and we know that ultimately that's going to be King David. Now, David is anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the next king over Israel when he's a child. Scholars say that he's anywhere between 10 to 15 years old. Anywhere from 10 to 15 years old. Most likely probably around 12 or 13. 1 Samuel 16, David is anointed to be the next king over Israel while he's still a child. Mind you, Saul was still the king when David was anointed to be the next king. David knows that he has been anointed to be the next king of Israel, but he is still a child, and there is still a king in place. So what does David do? 
What does David do? He's in this weird season, right? Okay, well, I'm supposed to be king, but there's a king in place, and I don't want to take the king's spot because I feel like, because obviously, like, like I don't want to overthrow the king. That's not right. That's not, that's not what I'm supposed to do. So, so what does David do? He goes back to being the shepherd of his father's sheep. He goes back to doing what God had called him to do. He went back to doing what God had called, with the season that God had him in, knowing that he was going to be king. Then David comes to the battlefield one day, and, and we get to one of the most popular stories in all of the Bible. David versus Goliath. David is watching over his father's sheep while his brothers are off to war against the Philistines. David comes out to bring his brothers some food. He sees Goliath, you know, insulting the army of God, insulting the people of God. And what does David do? David's like, hey, I'll fight this guy. And King Saul's like, no, 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 that's not a good idea. 1 Samuel 17, 33, it says, And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but, you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. Saul's like, no, no, you, you, you can't do this. Uh, this, isn't, this isn't right for you. But what do we see David say? David replies with the most just like, mm, reply ever. Listen to this. 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 37. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took, that took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Now, when David was tending sheep, he probably never thought that the lessons he was learning while tending sheep, he would use to slay Goliath. Probably never thought, you know, all these times that I'm killing these lions and these bears, it's going to come in handy when I face Goliath one day. Never once did he think that, for, for certain. Please understand it. Learn, please understand what I'm trying to teach you, right? Because David was ready to fight Goliath because he leaned into the current season he was in rather than looking forward to the season that he wanted to be in. If he had simply bypassed this current, all right, well, I know I'm going to be king one day, so this shepherding business ain't for me. What would have happened when he came face to face with Goliath? He would have been destroyed, wouldn't he? But he leaned into the moment he was in. He leaned into the moment that he was in. And this is something that you need to know. In order to maximize your future, you need to be fully present during your now. If you want to maximize your future, be fully present now. Be fully present now. If God has brought you to a season, he's brought you there for a reason. Learn to identify what season you're in and what season you're not in. David understood that he was going to be king, but he understood that he wasn't king yet. I'm going to be king, but I'm not king now. In fact, David wouldn't officially become king of Israel until he was 30 years old. Think about this. 15 to 20 years of being in a season of preparation. Being in a season of preparation. 
But when you understand the season that you're currently in, it allows you to be patient during it. See, Kayla and I, for those of you who don't know, Kayla is my wife, and, and, and every year we, we, we don't do like New Year's resolutions, not because we have some reason against them, but it's just kind of like, look, if I got something in my life I want to fix, I'm not going to wait till January 1st to do it, you know? Uh, but, like, but, but one thing that we try to do every, every year around New Year's is we try to share with each other. We do this. We're like, all right, what season do you feel like God has you in right now? And what season do you feel like God is leading you into next? We've done this ever since we were dating. And I want to tell you that, like, man, when you start to understand, okay, I'll be able to, like, you know, I feel like this is where God has me. This is the season that God has me in, and this is what God's teaching me, and, and, and I feel like this is probably where God's leading me to be. It allows you to be patient with where you currently are. See, not recognizing your current season will make you impatient. It will lead you to make rash and poor decisions. Go back to Proverbs, right? Go back to that verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 10.5. If you try and harvest in the winter when everything is dead, you'll grow increasingly frustrated. Right? But when you understand it's winter, then you understand, you know what? I shouldn't be expecting to harvest right now. See, all the, a lot of the frustrations that you experience in life is because you're expecting to harvest in winter. You, you feel what I'm trying to say? You smelling what I'm stepping in, Right? Learn the season you're in and lean into it. Don't be frustrated. Be patient. Relax. Breathe. I'll never forget I was in Israel. And we were driving through the Judean desert. And it's honestly breathtaking. And I know some of you who may be going to Israel next year, you'll see it. And while we were on the bus, uh, we had a tour guide. His name was Andre. And one thing that he said, it, it, it blew me away. As we're driving through, he's like naming all of these people who spent significant time in the desert. He, was, he mentioned Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Moses and the people of Israel and Jesus and Paul and, 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 just go, and, and David and just going down the list. And one thing that he said, I'll never forget, he goes, the desert is God's seminary. The desert is where God prepares people that he plans to use. And I want you to know, it's never fun to walk through a desert. The one way that I remember how to spell desert versus desert, someone told me this like last year. I think it might have been Fedinka, I don't know. But desert has one S and dessert has two because everyone wants more dessert and no one wants more deserts. That's how I remember it, right? Why? Because deserts aren't fun. But I want you to understand something, is that you can't, David couldn't sit on the throne if he hadn't walked through the desert. Now, the second key to maximizing your current season is, is closely linked to the first one. It's just this. Remember the lessons of previous seasons. Remember the lessons that God taught you in previous seasons. 2 Corinthians 4.17. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Remember that God is, remember what God is teaching you now is for a purpose. And this is why if, I think one of the most important questions that you can ask yourself and you can ask others is what is God teaching you right now? 
And I think, like, and I, a lot of times when I ask people this question, I usually get, like, deer-in-the-headlights looks. And, you know, it's okay, you know, but, like, I want you to think about that. What is God teaching you right now? Remember, what God is teaching you, God is teaching you something for a purpose, but when God brings you out of a season into a new season, never just leave that season in the dust and never look back at it. You with me? Never just act like, okay, this season's over and now I don't have to worry about it. Always remember the lessons that God has taught you. As you read the Old Testament, you'll see God address the people of Israel very commonly in this one way. He's, uh, he says, what, I am the Lord your God who, uh, who brought you out of Egypt. And he, and he goes through and he, and he lists off the things that he has done for them. Why? Because he understands something that we need to understand is that we constantly have to be reminded of the lessons that God has taught us. If the people of Israel would just have remembered that God is the one who brought them out of Egypt and they wouldn't have depended on all of these other issues, there wouldn't have been a King Saul. They wouldn't have needed a King Saul. In fact, we're going to talk about this in a few weeks. They ask for a king because they say they want someone to fight their battles like God hasn't been doing that for them. We're so prone to forget the lessons that God has taught us. James 1, 22 through 24 is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. But do not simply listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Right, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his face in a mirror and then walks away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, ultimately, this verse is talking about you know, don't just read the Bible and then, like, ignore it. Like, if you're going to read the Bible, do what it says. But I think the principle still applies here because this is where many people find themselves. When God specifically teaches you something in your life and you continue on neglecting that teaching, you're living foolishly. You're living foolishly. And I see this all the time. And don't, don't hate on me for this, but especially from students. Mostly, I see it when a person gets into a dating relationship. They start dating someone that's just not good for them. It's just not good for them. Usually, it's when, they try to, when they're a Christian and they try to date a non-Christian. That's usually how that goes. But whenever they date someone, it's just not good for them. It's, it's unhealthy. It's a toxic relationship. And then some, for some, somehow or another, it, it ends. They break up. And they're heartbroken, and it hurts, and nothing—I'll be honest with you. Like, watching somebody who's just heartbroken, like, it kills you inside, because there's nothing you can do. And nine out of ten times, rather than sitting back and learning from it, they end up jumping into another relationship that's just as toxic as the previous one. Why? Because they're not taking time to sit back and learn what has God just taught me. But because we neglect the lessons that God teaches us, we move headstrong into other things, and we cause things to be more difficult for ourselves. I'm not trying to lead you into a life that's miserable. I'm trying to help you understand that a lot of the hardship you experience, you could actually not have to walk through if you would just listen to what God has taught you. 
But here's the thing. This forces us to do something that a lot of us don't like to do. It forces us to slow down and reflect. See, once you recognize the season that you're in or that you're entering, the very next question that you should ask is this. What has God taught me in my previous season? Those of you who are moving into ninth grade, what has God taught you in middle school? Those of you who are going into young adult life or college, like what has God taught you as a student? We live our lives at a, break, uh, at a breakneck pace. We're constantly going, we're moving, we're going, we're going, we're going. And I think that part of the reason we do this is because we don't want to slow down. We don't want to slow down. Because if we slow down, if we slow down and we reflect, it may force us to look at things we don't want to look at. So you keep yourself busy, not because you're important. See, a lot of us, I fall into this. Is I, If I'm busy, it's because I'm important. No, oftentimes you're busy because you're too afraid to slow down and reflect on the things around you. It's like when you're in a car and you're just looking out the side, the side window and everything's screaming by you and you can see some of the stuff, but as you start to slow down, you can start to see all the details. We don't want to see the details of our lives. We just kind of keep rushing. We don't want to slow down because slowing down means we actually have to be present in the moment. And oftentimes, slowing down means that you have to stop running from what you're running from. You see, many people stay busy because they don't want to face the reality of their current season. But this is where we need to preach the gospel to ourselves. Right? So we need to preach the gospel to ourselves. If I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus, my eternity is secure in him, then I should be able to rest in the fact that he holds me. No matter what the, the filth of the current season I'm in looks like, I can rest in the fact that God is holding me, and it doesn't matter what, th what people think of me now. It doesn't matter. I don't need to run from things in my life because my ultimate contentment and joy is found in him. Think about this. As a child of God, you cannot lose. You cannot lose. All you can do is learn as you grow more like Jesus. So remember the lessons of previous seasons. Third key, how do I maximize my current season? Don't go through seasons on your own. Please. I preached on this two weeks ago. Whenever you sit back and you look at what God is doing in your life, it can be very easy to then isolate yourself. Be very easy to isolate yourself. Here, here's the thing I want to encourage you. Whatever season you are currently in or you're about to walk into, get your eyes off of you. If you want to be miserable, I'm going to give you the key to being miserable. Just focus on you all the time. Focus on how you can get ahead. Focus on how you can be popular. Focus on how you can be liked. Focus on how you can get where you want to go in life. Focus on you, 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 you. And I guarantee you, you'll be miserable. Isolate yourself from everybody, especially the people that will hold you accountable. You really want to isolate yourself from them. Come to church once a month. That's a good way. 
And this isn't because I'm trying, what I'm trying to help you understand is that in my own life, now look, I haven't lived like, like, uh, I'm, I'm 29, right? I haven't been living a ton. But I can look back on seasons of my life and I can tell you that the hardest times in my life were when I felt like I was all alone. I didn't have this. I didn't have, you know, a hundred people my age that I met with on a weekly basis. I had two friends. Both of them married at 18. One went off to the military. The other one just went crazy with his life. I had nobody. I felt all alone. I will tell you, it's really hard in that season. So easy to isolate yourself. The natural tendency for every person in this room is to gravitate inward. It's the same way with churches. The natural tendency of every church is to gravitate inward. So you must force yourself to be outward. One of the greatest ways to maximize this season that you're currently in or about to walk into is make it a priority to be here. Or even if this isn't your church, at church. Push yourself to invest in other people. Push yourself to invest in others around you. I believe that everyone wants to make a difference. I don't think anyone in this room wants to live a life that's meaningless. I don't believe that. I believe everyone in this room wants to make a difference with their life. Understand that God can use you to make a difference no matter what season you are in. If you're in a season where you just feel like you're going nowhere, I guarantee you God can use you. I guarantee you God can use you. If you're in a season where you feel like you're just so busy and there's just, man, like life is just going and going and going, I guarantee you God can still use you. If you're in a season where it feels like your world is falling apart around you, I promise you God can use you. There are people around you that are probably currently walking through seasons that you yourself have walked through. You're about to have a group of sixth graders that are going to join this group. Everyone in this room has gone through their sixth grade year. Everyone in this room knows the challenges of being a sixth grader. And I, I want you to hear something from me with as much love in my heart. If when you see sixth graders that come up and your first thought is that they're just annoying, you need to get over yourself. You need to get over yourself. Every person in this room was a sixth grader at one point. Every person in this room either was or still is annoying. That's just the way life is. But here's the thing. If you know the challenges that those kids are going to walk through or they're about to walk through, why would you not want to help them? Why would you sit back and watch them fall? Because your eyes are on you. You need to get them off of you. My niece is moving up into sixth grade next year. And I'll fight you if you talk bad about my niece. Because I love you and I love her. All right? Understand this, the leaders in this room have walked through seasons that you're about to walk through or currently are walking through. If you're in a season in your life right now that is hard, and it just, I'm just going to be real, it sucks. Look, 
It may not, and maybe you're like, look, there ain't nobody who can relate to this. I guarantee you there's at least one person who can relate. Staycation this year, Josh Williams shared his testimony. I knew some of it. I knew, I knew a good amount of it, but I, there was a lot of it I didn't know. And I will tell you that, that I was shocked, honestly, at how many people I know personally that were in the room that night and in the room tonight that could connect with a part of his story. I think one of the main things that Satan tries to do is convince you that you're more alone than you think you, that, that, that you're more alone than you actually are. The leaders in this room have walked through the seasons that you have walked through. And while not everyone in this room may be where you, uh, has been where you are currently, I guarantee you someone in this room can relate to you. The fourth key, how do I maximize my current season? Don't compare yourself to people in different seasons than you. This is one of the biggest challenges that people face today, especially with social media. Look, I have social media. I have Instagram. You know what? And guess what? I fall prey to this sometimes too. First of all, you should never compare, you should never seek your, to compare yourself to anybody in general. Right? Comparison kills contentment. That's a good, you know, thing to remind yourself. Comparison kills contentment. But I will tell you this, it is especially damaging to compare yourself to people who are in different seasons th than you because it makes no sense. And the number one way that you see this oftentimes is this, is that when people get married, that first year of marriage, is, is, it's all aboard the struggle bus, okay? Now, you love each other, but you're not making money, right? I, I mean, when me and Kayla got married, I was, I was struggling, okay? I wasn't making a ton of money. She was working all the time. I was working all the time. You know, like, and we loved each other, and we were good, and it was cool. But, like, here's the thing. The worst thing that happens in that first year of marriage is that you look at people who've been married for three or four or five years, and you compare yourself to them. Oh, well, they have a house. They have kids. They have a dog. They have this. They yeah, because they've been married for five years. And what happens is they feel discontent in their marriage because they're not in a season that someone else is in. But look, they were there one time too, so get over it. Don't compare yourself to people who are in a different season than you. It's like this. Now, this happens to me all the time, and those of you who drive, you may be able to relate. When you're driving, and you're in a left turning lane, and it's a red light, these people also have a red light. These people who are going straight, they also have a red light. This happens to me all the time. Their light turns green. They start to move. What do you do? Oh, well, my light must be green too. And you start to start to roll, and then you look up. You see, it's still red, and you have to slam on your brakes. Why? And then you're like, and then I get frustrated. Why? Because I just want to go. But here's the deal. I could go, but guess what? They're not going where I'm going. They're not going where I'm going. So why would I want to go when they go? You know, I could go when they go, but I won't get where I'm trying to get. So don't, so here's the thing, just like you shouldn't try to be, don't compare yourself to people who are in a different lane than you, don't compare yourself to people who are in a different season than you. Because if you try to go at the pace they're going, you try to, you're, you're going to end up somewhere that you don't want to be. The fifth key to how do you maximize your current season, determine not to waste it. Determine 
not to waste your current season. The second part of that verse in Proverbs 10:5, he who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Talks about a person that sleeps during the harvest. Talks about a person who wastes their opportunity. And I want you to know, you are on the brink of a new school year. And I, that also means this, that you are on the brink of an opportunity. You're on the brink of an opportunity. Those of you who are moving up into your senior year, you have an opportunity to lead this student ministry. Here's the deal. Student ministry isn't because you have a great student pastor. It's because you have good students. You can have a student pastor who has no idea what he's doing, but if you have good students that take ownership of it, they can cover up a lot of the mistakes of a student pastor. And if you're moving into your senior year, you got to ask yourself, how are you going to leave this student ministry better than you found it? How are you going to leave the student ministry better than you found it? You have an opportunity. Right now, all of you have an opportunity as you move into your school year this year, if you're, especially if you're moving into a different school, which can be hard, it can be a struggle. But think about this. You have the opportunity to meet people that you have never met before. And some of you who are introverts and you're like, nah, I ain't about it. Not over here. Mm-mm. But man, like, think of the opportunity that's in front of you. See, I want you to know that every season will present challenges, but also every season will present opportunities. Don't waste it. Here's something I want you to see, is that you, at the season of life that you're in, there are opportunities in that season that you will not have in any other season. For instance, right now I'm married, and I have a child. If I wanted to go overseas with the IMB and serve for a few months as a missionary, I can't do that. I have a wife and kids. I have responsibilities that God's called me to. But you know who can do that? Those of you who've graduated high school. And you don't have those commitments. Now look, I love my wife. I love my child. I, I, don't, I do not regret anything about my life right now. But I'll tell you this, is that you have opportunities I don't have. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. There are sixth graders that are moving up. They don't know anybody. They don't know anyone in this room. And if they do, it's maybe because they're related to you. But they're coming in, and look, let's just be real. Those of you who are in sixth grade, you may not admit it. That's okay. It's cool. I love you anyway. But it's like, yo, it's a little intimidating. You're walking in. There's people with full-grown beards. And you're like, what are you doing here? Right? You just got done singing a bunch of songs in Awana. And now you're in here with full-grown men and women. And you're like, oh, what? You know what they need? They need someone who's older than them to say, hey, you know what? I got you. To invest in them. Think of the person who's made a difference in your life and how appreciative you are of them. Now imagine the joy of getting to be that for someone else. Or, here's what you can do. You could take this school year like you've taken every other school year, and you can waste it. And then you can graduate, and then you can look back on your years in school and be like, man, why didn't I? You can come in here and worry about what people think of you, worry about being funny and cool and accepted. Or you can, you know what? I'm going to sell out for Jesus and just see what happens. Don't 
waste it. Perhaps this is a season where God is calling you to himself. This is a season where God is, is, is drawing you to him. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Christ, and maybe you're in a moment. Remember, seasons are made up of multitude of moments, and this is a moment right now where you can make a choice. And I'm not going to pursue the things that the world wants me to pursue. I'm going to pursue Jesus. I'm going to sell out right now. I'm going to sell out for Jesus. You know what? You make that decision. Make that choice. Don't waste it. You may not get an opportunity like this ever again. Don't waste it. Here's what we do. I want to pray, and we're going to go to our small groups. Now, if, the small groups, right, right now, it's based off grade that you just completed, okay? Next week, it'll be based off the grade you're currently in. But right now, it's based off the grade you just completed. And I want you to be able to talk about this with your group leaders, with your peers. Talk about, man, what season of life are you currently in? What season is God leading you into? And I think, because I think that when you start to look at your life in the form of different seasons, I think you'll be blown away by what God does with it.